folks and welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen. Tonight we're going to look at the Picota rankings which is a system whereby the experts work out how many wins each team is going to get in the MLB season next year. So we're going to have a look at the teams that we follow and give our thoughts on how those numbers are panning out for us. So yeah the um, projections for the season. I was a wee bit surprised by this, but it might be that um, uh, over the winter I've ridden along the Detroit Lions bandwagon if new young rookies coming in there and making a mark in the NFL. And I was thinking, yeah, the, the Tigers the Tigers are a way to do the same thing. So the, the Tigers won 78 games last year. And they, they blew hot and cold at different times. Um, and I think my perception of a football team, a uh, soccer team, blowing hot and cold and his young players sometimes is yeah they're they're good but they're not quite there yet and they need that they need to play regularly to get that consistency uh and what have you so i was sort of expecting that's how the tigers were going to be but um our 78 wins last year is now projected to to fall to 75 which was uh, a wee bit disappointing i, I don't see why uh, yeah, i would imagine as a club they're 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 chasing 500 and trying to get the 81 and get there when every second game. I guess these projections also look at the scheduling. The scheduling must differ from season to season. Again, it's not like football where you're you're playing the same teams. Um, so it might well be that somebody's somebody will have worked this out with a, with a greater mind than mine. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hope that the, the the Tigers would would continue to improve. But that's yeah, is that one of those forlorn hopes you pick up as a as a fan that you you always sort of think yeah things are yeah. things are only going to get better at some point and I see the Red Sox seventy eight last year fifth place um, eighty this year they're talking to a slight improvement but yeah uh, it's a tough league you're in there Dave yeah well it, it is tough you know um, there's there's no doubt about it you know the uh... Yeah, it, you know the Orioles um, have been proved significantly over the last few years. So, yeah, there's no weak team in it. And you know, I I go back far enough to remember when the, the Detroit Tigers were in the same division as uh, as the Red Sox. You know, it's probably about twenty five years ago. But you know, you are in that league, and you've got to play. Um, by those rules, haven't you? And you've got to sort of staff your roster accordingly. And uh, they're actually coming off two, uh, you know, sort of back to back seventy eight and eighty four seasons, which is which is not great, you know. But yeah, um, the season before that, um, they um, 
they finished quite well and uh, we're only a couple of games out of getting to the World Series and they got to the the um, ALCS and just uh, got edged out by the Houston Astros. So, you know, and at 2018, um, well, it's five, going to be six years ago now, but they the, the won the World Series. So they're not that far off. But as for predictions, you know, if they say, you don't have to improve too much to get to a winning series. So 78 and 84, um, you know, 82 and 80 is a winning series season. Um, just an extra couple of wins, that wouldn't satisfy anyone anywhere within Boston or New England or wherever there's a Red Sox fan. That's just, just not what um, this franchise is, is looking for. And as I said earlier, they uh, have a new chief baseball officer who um, was quoted as saying we'll be going full throttle. Now, this is no way full throttle. What we were hoping as Red Sox fans was they were going to um, improve the starting pitching, which was identified by everyone and anyone is what they needed doing. And, um, you know, there was that guy, what was his name? Yamamoto was coming over from from Japan. He was um, on everyone's radar, but he went to the Dodgers. So um, along with uh, Shohei Otani, he won't be pitching next year, but my goodness, what a team, um, what a roster they're going to have. So we don't have that at all. What, um, what they did do was um, try and strengthen... Their defense, you know, um, I think I said earlier that uh, actually they, you know, they finished 28th out of 30 in defense. I mean, they measure errors, don't they? And if I'm getting it right, um, they were 28th in projected um, errors per game, 0.63 of an error per game. It takes quite a lot for um, a player to, to, to make an error, and they are scored as errors and uh, quantified as such. And in actual fact, they, they finished with um, even higher error rate at Fenway Park. And I, I wonder why that was. One of the um, criticisms of one of the signings last year was another star from the Japan Leagues. He played left field. And, uh, you know, I think he did rather well with um, with his batting, but it was uh, criticised a little bit. It's quite a difficult position to field, especially in the sort of irregularities of uh, hmm. Fenway. So the suggestion is that he might be um, playing more as a designated hitter. And uh, they pick more defensively minded outfielders. There's no Justin Turner this year. He's, um, he's I can't remember where he's gone, actually. But uh, it's a shame because he did really well last year. But yeah. I think they're looking to concentrate on youth um there was a bit of a problem at second base and uh, they've made a trade for a guy called Vaughn Grissom who looks like he's going to be a specialist second baseman so their infield is is going to be um Trevor Story who had a bit of um a difficult time of it injury wise but he's going to be a shortstop Rafi Devers third base it's Vaughn Grissom probably second base and it looks like Tristan Cassis, who had his rookie season last year and did pretty well, is going to be the infield. 
the outfield. Um, not absolutely certain how that's going to look, but they are looking to tighten things up in the, the defensive position. Uh, it's just not good enough, you know. They don't. Yeah. They don't take very kindly to um, losing games because of errors. Uh, you know, they just. <laughs> I'm glad they don't measure <laughs> errors in our. Um, game of, of football. Uh, perhaps <laughs> yeah. that will perhaps that will come in time, or even in cricket. You know, uh, when I started watching cricket in the nineteen sixties and seventies, you, you know, it was sort of uh, some players wouldn't even run for the ball, really. But the, you know, they were not particularly fit. But the, all that's changed. So I would be hoping for a winning season. Um, but eighty-two games is not going to get you in the in the postseason, is it? You need something approaching ninety wins to give you any chance of um, getting into the postseason. That means improving by twelve wins, finding twelve wins from somewhere. And I'm not a hundred percent sure where that's going to come from. Um, we've got a very good coach at Alex Cora still there. Got a new pitching coach to go with the guy. The baseball officer, Craig Breslaw, is a pitcher, an ex-pitcher. He pitched with the Red Sox in um, the two two of the World Series wins. I don't think he actually pitched in 2007, but he did contribute in 2013. So, I you know, they haven't made big signings on pitching, but they've tied up some of their best young starting pitchers they've got um they've got lucas giolito from um uh dave's uh White Sox, Sox. Yeah. he might have been able to tell us a bit more about him but i think his last couple of seasons have not been particularly great so um we would like to get the 2021 22 version so we'll see, we'll see what happens there um and we've subtracted Chris Sale, he's gone to another ex-White Sox pitcher. He's gone to to the Braves. So I'm not sure whether we're, you know, any better off in terms of starting pitching than we were. But there might be a last-minute signing. There's still a couple of free agents out there. But um, yeah, I'm not super positive about it. But yeah. um, there's always the the possibility. Of a bounce back, and it's um it's a long season, and uh, Core is a good manager. Yeah, oh, knowledge and awareness there. So yeah, it's um you're you're on the cusp because you're around about the five hundred mark. But you, as you say, I think Richards Seattle Mariners just missed out in the playoffs last year with eighty eight wins. So mm. yeah, ninety plus. Yeah, you know, target. So I guess they were the best. They were the best team who didn't qualify, I think, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Tigers haven't really made any significant trades that are going to take them to the level. It's it's a permanent rebuild, if you if they even call it that now. But it's all... I was looking at their spring training roster. So I think you have your 40 men plus... I don't know if it's a set number, but I think the Tigers are taking... 13 prospects, um, some of whom are in the 40-man roster, like Colt Keith and Parker Meadows. Um, Colt Keith, second, third base. Because third base mm. seems to be a problem for a lot of 
teams. Well, I got, got the impression the Tigers look on third base. Um, is that somewhere where you can potentially blood youngsters? Is it considered a, a safer position to put people um, in? I don't think so. I think yeah, they, I, I did they, wonder. They call it the hot corner, don't they? And um, I think it's uh, it is quite a tricky position to fill. I mean, obviously, shortstop is usually your best infielder has got to be there. But uh, yeah, third third base, they've certainly got. You know, if the ball comes to them, they've got the longest throw, haven't they? Over to um, over to first base to get out the. The runners, so they've got to be quick, feel the ball cleanly, and release quickly. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's an easy position. The um, I don't know if the, if you're going to pick one that was uh, maybe first base might be. Yeah, the one. I'm not. You've got any great knowledge there, never having played the game. No, I just found it interesting. The chart was around. It's it's a place to rotate and try a few different people. And, but my gut reaction is you're at, you're at the scoring point there. Um, if you don't stop them at third, then you've got a problem. Um, whereas like first base, yeah, if, if somebody gets to first, you're hopefully going to find ways of stopping them getting getting home. So, yeah, no, that, 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 that was interesting. Justin Turner, I think it's going to Toronto, so you're going to see him, still a bit of him. Anyways, yeah. DH, uh, DH at Toronto. He was a very popular player. Um, you know, I think he was quite helpful, um, in particular to the first baseman, Tristan Cassis, has been uh, very complimentary about helping him uh, with a, a number of things. You know, I mean, he's, he's been around, he's done everything in the game. And it's, uh, it's a shame that they didn't feel like he could keep I'm not really sure about the designated hitter position for um for Red Sox. If it's gonna be um you know, a Jap Japanese guy, yeah, is he the right man to have there? It's, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I think, I think the Tigers are choosing having had Miguel Cabrera's DH for a few seasons, yeah. um, no longer. They're now retiring. Their their plan is to go without a DH uh, or or a designate or a, a regular yeah. DH, yeah. Um, so that presumably gives them more flexibility as well. But yeah, the Tigers projected to fall from seventy eight to seventy five wins. So a step back would be would be disappointing. Um, mm. It'll be interesting to hear from the other guys as to how they think their teams will 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 be doing this year as well. Richard, you've come back from Arnhem sounding a little bit hoarse, cheering on those Dutch football teams, or you maybe had one or two beers when you're over there. But um, at this stage, I think, what's your thoughts on the Mariners and how many wins are they likely to get? And how do the rankings fit for you? Does 85 wins for the Mariners sound right to me? Yes. I very much hope it's not right though, because eighty five isn't gonna be isn't gonna be enough to get us into the postseason. And it also means we're kinda of going backwards again, you know, after a couple of seasons in the high eighties in terms of wins. Even you look back ten years ago, we were eighty seven victories in the two thousand fourteen season, you know, it's I feel we're a franchise that is moving forward, but it tends to be two step forward, one step back. But I think if we do end up on eighty five then 
you're looking at two steps forward, two steps back. Hard to judge. We've lost a lot of our kind of guys have carried us for the last year or two, uh, and we'll have to see if the guys have come in. Guys like Polanco, big hopes for. Uh, you know, brought in some pitching talent as well. But given we've lost the likes of Teoscar and Eugenio Suarez, Kellenic, Robbie Ray, I couldn't confidently predict we'll get more than 85 is the honest answer. But, uh, but Alan, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful as I always am with the Mariners. I keep thinking we're a bit like uh, Lucy in the American football in the Peanuts comic strip. Uh, every time I'm confident this will be the year where the Mariners really deliver on their potential. But 85 won't do it. But I think my heart tells me will be there or thereabouts to 80, 89. If we hit that 90, I think that takes us into the postseason. Uh, but 85 is as good a guess as anyone's. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate that. Uh, good to get your thoughts. Uh, I know young Dave would like to come and talk to us about what he thinks about the Chicago White Sox numbers, but given they're in the 60s, uh, unfortunately he's far enough behind that he couldn't join us tonight. Um, so he'll catch up with us shortly and no doubt give us his usual great insight on where the White Sox are going this year. I know he enjoyed our trip to Arnhem as well. We saw we saw three home teams. I think he's nailing his colours to the mask for Vitesse Arnhem. He had a great time there and thanks to the fans who were uh, friendly uh, and, and great to us when we were over there. Uh, so I'm just going to have a wee chat with uh, Dave Senior, Yorkshire Dave, he, he enjoyed the bars, the brown bars over there. He enjoyed the football. So let's get his thoughts uh, on the weekend over in Ireland. So we mentioned on the last episode that we did this year that the, the bullpen were away over to Arnhem in the Netherlands as we make our annual pilgrimage to go and watch Dutch football and to drink Dutch beer. Um, not necessarily in that particular order. Uh, but yeah, another great weekend, another bunch of grounds ticked off in footballogy and beers drank and untapped. Um, uh, untapped saw some historic numbers coming through as well, <laughs> Dave. So you might want to maybe give us some insight into that as you tell us about the, the brown bars that we, we visited on our on our trip as well. Yeah, if I'd have been a bit clever, I had this idea of um, uh, engineering my untapped check-ins. To that's total number of beers um, <laughs> drunk, drunk being the appropriate word, um, since since I started on untapped. And there's also a separate one for unique beers. So I was getting close to 3,000 check-ins Um on numbers of beers and 2000 on unique beers so I always try and drink something different but i didn't really get around to that and it became increasingly clear that um the the 2000 wasn't going to happen but i did manage to get 3000 and uh actually and i'll come on to this in a minute if we'd have spent more time in the last bar then the unique um check-ins could have been could have been achieved and um yeah i think i think what i'll say about the bars is last time we talked about the term brown bar classic brown bar um which yeah. we went into some detail about that 
And in the book that I've got on the guide to uh, good pubs with, with good beer in the Netherlands, there was really one standout bar that I thought we should go to, and that was the Café uh, Myers, which is a classic uh, brown bar. Um, it's in the, in, in the old town, and we did manage an hour or so on um, Saturday, didn't we? And it, it was a really pleasant, pleasant place. And um, yeah, but, but we didn't really spend a lot of time in there, did we? And we had one well, Saturday night after the game. Um, there was a couple of late night bars that we went into, the uh, Boigle, and uh, the one that was open until two o'clock in the morning. Oh, we didn't really overdo it Saturday, but we were out until the early hours called Mortgat. And um, actually the next day when we were talking to quite a few people at the Vitesse Arnhem game, uh, they were giving us advice about which bars to go to and uh, the Mortgat featured quite prominently. Uh, but what I'm going to say is actually something totally, uh, totally different. Um, on, on the Sunday after the game, yep. the... Um, we had a few hours before we needed to get our train back over to Amsterdam and Schiphol and uh, get our late night flight back. And uh, we wanted to try this um, magnificent looking place called the Tap House, um, which is pronounced the same as that's exactly what it sounds like, T-A-P-H-U-Y-S. I think it's not exactly a chain, but I think there's another one in uh, Utrecht, and this is a, it's a huge sprawling place in a fantastic old building, which I think used to be the the old post office in uh, the center the center of Arnhem. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is uh, Yorkshire Dave finally uh, getting in touch with the twenty first century. It's taken me nearly a quarter of that new century to do so, but this is very much a bar for the 2020s and um what you have there is um it's a huge place you go in there and you buy a card and you put money on the card which we're kind of used to they do that at the football grounds and um then you can go along to there's there's over 50 um beers on draft that you can help yourself to so it's a self-service place and um, because we were new there, the guy showed us what to do. And um, what you do is you get your card, choose your beer, put your card, just um, insert your card by that tap. And uh, then you choose your glass. Uh, there's a choice of different glasses. And some of them are specific to the beer you're going to drink. And uh, then it's up to you. You, um, you can wash a glass, put it under the tap and pour away and you can there's no I say one of the things that I if if we'd have spent a bit more time there there's no minimum amount that you have to buy so um you can pour yourself a, a 0.2 of a litre 0.3 of a litre half a litre or whatever and watch <laughs> you you actually watch your balance reduce as your glass fills up with as, as you pull it yeah. up yeah, yeah. so it's it's pretty pretty good that from that point of view. The one thing I would say is beware the foam. I don't think I think we were a bit unlucky with one beer that we chose that um, was a little bit difficult to pour. 
and uh, give the guys due. He came over and helped me, took my card out, put his own card in, and then poured it, did his trick. And there was a bit of spillage, which would have, you know, had I done that myself with a card, it would have meant, you know, clocking yeah, up. Yeah, costing. And, yeah, and then he did, as I say, if, if I was smarter, um, you could sort of go along and try, you know, yeah. um, a really small amount from each one. He actually did that for me with one which we'd noticed. We were talking about very strong beers. Uh, I think Richard mentioned it, and, you know, we've had, you know, Belgium and the Netherlands go in for these doubles and triples earlier, which can be the alcohol volume can be in double figures. Well, there was one there, um, Cozy Camp Fire, I think it was called, a brewery in Keys that was 19%. Right. And unprompted, this guy says, I've got a beer for you that I'd like <laughs> to try. He must, I must have looked like the sort of person who would want to try a 19% beer. And it, it, on his card, he poured me a little taster of it. And it was good. It really didn't taste like that. It tasted strong, but it didn't taste ridiculously strong. Yeah. Uh, just thanks for that. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> um, on on reflection, uh, I'll go for something a little bit more um, drinkable, single figures at least anyway. So it was really a fantastic concept. And I would, uh, yeah, I would recommend that to anyone who's visiting Arnhem, or Utrecht, I suspect there might be similar places in, you know, in London or some of the big cities in the UK, but I don't know of any so far. I don't know if it's come across your... Um... Yeah, I'd never seen it before, Dave. It was quite, um, it was quite interesting. And it's a, in one sense, you can't see it not taking off and can't see that not being the way in, in 10 years' time. Um, I think plenty of us all want to go down to our local boozer and just the main host will will serve you a pint of beer. But in an environment like that, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't. It was nothing like a Weatherspoons this place. It just had a much nicer atmosphere and what have you. But you could imagine a place like that potentially, um, yeah, with, with, with something at the back. And there's a, there's there was a good young crowd. In the bar, there's yeah, a was... family crowd. We 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 might have been a wee bit older than a few of the <laughs> the, the locals in there, but um, this technology that we're comfortable with pulling a pint of beer as well, so we can, uh, yeah, yeah, we can we can do that. Uh, yeah, it was definitely good. high end, wasn't it? You know, and it was uh, good. well, you know, one of um, the guys in our group, uh, yeah, Dave. Um, he doesn't tend to drink beer, so he, um, they do spirits as well. Um, so um, we went over and worked that out as well. So you could get yourself a, you know, a double body and then buy a, a mixer. Yeah, good. Or whatever. And there was uh, wine as well. So, yeah, it was all catered for. And, um, yeah, you could see yourself uh, spending an evening in there and probably clocking up quite a bar bill, I would imagine. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it was cheap, was it? But you know, it was definitely uh, a great, a really good experience. And caps off to the guy who looked after us. You know, he he really was good because uh, we obviously were new to it. You know, and um, yeah, yeah, really helpful and uh, um, highly recommend. Yeah, it was. It was um, 
the whole thing was good. I think the, the Cafe Majors pronouncing that, or I won't be pronouncing it correctly, but I'm sure that was the bar where the, the barman had a Detroit, Michigan t-shirt. So I, I commented on it and he said, oh yeah, it's a good fit. I've never been there. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's the end of that conversation anyway. But um, uh, no, it was good. Uh, interestingly, we had, um, so we went to three games of football, uh, championship level on the Friday night, top offs, and then two premiership level games, NEC, Nijmegen, and of course the highlight, Vitesse Arnhem on the Saturday and Sunday. But we did, we actually did the all different sort of social club out with the ground or part of the building, but sort of out with the ground. So they were, they were all very different experiences this time. Top top Oss was a a lively, uh, a rowdy place, quite a small wee um, bar underneath one of the stands. It's had about 50 or 60 guys and a bit of noise going on, but get, getting themselves ready for the for the game. Um, simple bar, a couple of, not 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 a white choice of stuff, but uh, uh, enough to satisfy ourselves. Contrasting that with NEC Nijmegen, I think um, uh, they were very kind to us because whether we were meant to or not, but we did seem to end up into their their business club, social club before the game, which I think is a, a premium ticket. Now you're buying your drinks in there, but it was a it was a sort of bar you'd expect if you're you're out with your partner or whatever on a on a Friday night. It's the sort of place should be contentedly going in there and, and, and doing that. So that was a um, different type of experience. And then um, Fites was fantastic because separate from the building, they had a big like warehouse type building, which was effectively, um, it, it was a supporters club. I think it's called Supporters House, uh, named after their previous stadium. Um, but a... Yeah, a very simple selection. It was beers only, beers and soft drinks. There's no spirits or wine. Um, again, you had to buy another card. It's a common theme, buying a card to get yourself. So about a big place. Players came in after the game. We were lucky enough to meet a friendly fan inside the stadium during the game. She told us to go there. Players came along. They were interviewed, got their picture taken with the kids and what have you. Um, but yeah, a good feeling that a special exhibition up for their they're 25 years since I think their their European debut. Um, sadly, that's probably not something they're going to be seeing in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, overall, great. And um, yeah, I'd, a wee bit biased, but I enjoyed the, the Arnhem experience and obviously part of Arnhem as well. Which we, we went there to go to the Airborne Museum um, and uh, the, the cemetery where former Ross County player who died Battle of Arnhem was, was buried as well, so that was a that was a good wee um, good wee, good wee experience. Any particular memories from the games yourself, Dave? Any highlights or such like? Oh yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I think uh, that Vitesse Arnhem, the supporters' home, uh, Monikenhauser was it? That's the name of their own ground, home their old ground. I think we uh, we must have liked it so much because I'm pretty sure we were the last people out of the place um, very politely huckled out by uh, by the the bouncer at the end and just I think they just stay for a, open for a couple of hours afterwards it might be something to do with it being a Sunday lunchtime kickoff but 
Yeah, that was uh, was terrific. As uh, Alan said, those contrasting places. Uh, the top boss one place. It was. He went in there. It was like I don't know. Thump thump thump. The techno beat, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. all sorts of uh, shenanigans going on in there. As the lads were getting fueled up before the game. Um, yeah, and the corporate Nijmegen was excellent. Um, yeah, the, the Gelra Dome itself, that's the first time I've been to um, um, a football match, a soccer match, where it's in an indoor stadium. Uh, very impressed. It was really, really good atmosphere, wasn't it? Good um, and yeah. a good view. And uh, I, considering, you know, considering they're going through a bad time, the fans were great, weren't they? Really yeah. behind the team and you know, it's it's uh, you know, as the song goes, we when we go on these trips, we always root, root, root for the home team, and yeah, it, it's always better if the home team do do well. But um, yeah, it was uh, ended up being a a defeat to the go ahead Eagles, who uh, you know sort of took a big go ahead, didn't they? One went one nil up and then finished off two nil, but. We had the, you know, that as you you knew about this, we might have missed it had you not told us about it. But um, the VTS badge is a double-headed eagle, and they have a club mascot. That's a, uh, so it's an American bald eagle, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, right. The Hertog, which I think means the Duke in translated uh, right. uh, as the Duke, and uh, the handler. Takes him out onto the pitch and then flies him, and he he, fly, he flew right over us, didn't he? Absolutely spectacular. Yeah, Super. yeah. I think he leaves from the. I remember the first time I went, everybody started looking behind me when I was in the the centre, the main stand, and then um, they're obviously then looking to see the eagles about to be be released, and and he lands in the pitch. So it was a. Uh, yeah, the eagle mascot against the go-ahead eagles, which who, who, who in fairness, their fans, a lot of the way fans tend to do that. They they provided a good backing for their team as well. I think they're they're, they're pushing to finish in the top half of the the Eredivisie. Um, but the, the good news you'll be pleased to know as well, Dave, is um, uh, I, I was concerned with future trips and how we amalgamate them. So I've I've got my Printed off a map of Dutch football clubs and have highlighted the ones we've not been to yet. So then working out where you can get three or four close by, thinking, oh, so that'll, that'll direct our um, scheduling for 2025. <laughs> but, uh, well, it worked well but, this time, it really did, didn't it? Because, um, you know, Nijmegen, which was uh, Friday night, was it? That, no, that was Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a terrific game of football, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, that. They're really doing well this this year, aren't they? And the fans were really up for it. Is that the is that the stadium that was? It's a relatively small capacity, that isn't it? Is it that the one that's about twelve and a half thousand? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the advantage they have with that is obviously they're 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 selling out. I think every week as well, mm. which, which helps. So and that helps the atmosphere. But no, it it was good. I was um. Both the Eredivisie games, so they're I know they're big rivals, so they might not want us to hear us complimenting both of them, but mm. compliments to the area. Um, yeah, a uh, good standard, wasn't it? A good standard of football at my Nijmegen and Heracles, really top top quality stuff. Plenty of action, wasn't it? They sort of um, you know the build a quick build up, and they weren't shy of getting the 
crosses into the box were they Nijmegen and shooting from all angles it was yeah. it was it was terrific lots of bouncing as well yes I think you and Dave quite enjoyed that when they scored a goal there was a, there was a routine that uh, came over the tunnel in this sort of uh, <laughs> it was terrific yeah really good. yeah that was good it was good so. Yeah, roll on, roll on the next time. So hopefully, you've enjoyed listening to our our Dutch football adventures on on that one, folks. Mm-hmm.